Hey everyone, it's PJ here, and this is Daily Podcast number 38. Um, as I've been thinking about the Daily Podcast, I think uh, number 40 uh, would be a good number to aim for and uh, pause at, and then um, I want to give you time to then uh, revisit uh, the various things that we've addressed in the past 40 episodes of Daily Podcast. And then after this, um, maybe on occasion, I will um, get back on the podcast and address things here and there. Um, but yeah, I want to take the last uh, few uh, episodes we have until we hit 40, number 40, to revisit some of the topics that we addressed during our Sunday School series on emotions. I think um, some of the feelings that we addressed in that series um, is only going to be and has been amplified and magnified during the, the season that we find ourselves in right now. And uh, I just want to remind you of some of the things that we had discussed. For those of you who missed our Sunday School series, this would be a good um, thing to uh, pick up on and uh, get on the same page with us. So, yeah, um, various feelings that we could be feeling and um that we want to know how we can biblically address those, especially when we see those feelings trending in a negative direction. Okay, how do we uh, rein those feelings back in and, and gain a more biblical perspective on our feelings? And today I want to uh, revisit the topic of laziness. I don't know if you guys remember uh, the Sunday School uh, we had on feeling lazy. I don't know about you, but this is uh, something that I think I just asked uh, prayers for this the other day uh, in one of the community groups, um, just to pray that during this season when you know I'm feeling um, tired and I'm feeling like there are a lot more needs to be met, that I don't um, procrastinate, that I don't um, veer off into laziness. So let me uh, kind of walk through uh, some of the things that we talked about in that uh, Sunday School lesson. Uh, first, um, how does the world describe a lazy person and how does the world describe a diligent person just in general? I think a lazy person is usually defined as someone or described as someone who is not working or refuses to work, um, who's simply being unproductive. Right. That usually is the sum of uh, laziness. And being diligent, of course, means being productive. Right? Uh, and you're, you're busy enough. And uh, you're in high demand. Now, uh, the biblical definition of laziness and diligence is not quite that simple. And it's a lot more holistic than that. Um, in a sense, it's actually very countercultural. If you look at Proverbs 12, 24, it says, The hand of the diligent will rule, while the slothful will be put to forced labor. Now, do you notice the, what, what's really interesting here about the slothful? Uh, here it says the slothful will be put to forced labor, which suggests that even the slothful and the lazy person can be laboring and hard at work and even be very busy. So that's already very different from our understanding of a lazy person who simply doesn't labor in anything. Now, tie this in with Proverbs 12, 27. 
in that very same chapter. Whoever is slothful will not roast his game, but the diligent man will get precious wealth. Okay, so here it says the slothful will not roast his game. Okay, now given that hunting was a common means of survival during this time period, uh, you have to think a little bit about the process, right, that would go into um, not only hunting and killing the animal, but everything that goes in between that and eating and and enjoying um, what you have what you have gained. Um, there's actually an image, uh, a sketch done by someone, someone in the commentaries, um, showing how in ancient times when uh, hunters would would bring back a game, they would have to uh, take all the body parts and um, remove it carefully so that uh, it won't be too damaged. It has you have to insert the knife very properly into uh, the skin. And it's all based on the animal too. It depends on whether it's a deer or a rabbit or something like you know a, a bird. Um, and so it takes skill, it takes care, it takes uh, attention. And and the slothful who doesn't roast his game is basically someone who won't go through this uh, process of paying attention to the details, but someone who would merely go into hunting for the thrill of the kill. Uh, but, but then afterwards won't be able to enjoy the fruit of his labor because he won't go through the mundane routine of skinning the animal or the patience of you know slow roasting it. So he'll be out there busy hunting but still be fruitless in a sense. So when you put these two together, what do you see? You see the slothful in the biblical sense is someone who is laboring but being forced into it, meaning you are not master over your work but the work is mastering over you. And you're not really enjoying the fruit of it either. You're busy working, but you're not, um, you're not focused on how you can enjoy the fruit of your labor at the same time. Perhaps you're in the, in the work that you're in because you, you know, there's a certain thrill to it. That's how you got into it. But then when it comes to certain, perhaps the mundane routine of the, your work, you, you feel unmotivated. And that's a lot of people today, perhaps, you know, uh, there's fun parts of the job that they love, but the repetitive parts, mundane parts, they, they find unmotivated, but, you know, uh, that's where it requires our faithfulness. And that's the diligent man who would enjoy uh, the fruit of his labor by uh, working through with faithfulness, the little things, the mundane parts of the day, and out of that gets precious wealth. So already you're kind of you see right the difference between how the world and how the Bible defines uh, laziness and diligence. Busyness isn't always uh, the same thing as biblical diligence, and slothfulness doesn't mean the absence of work or productivity, but the but the absence of fruitfulness or the enjoyment of one's labor. Um, there's a probably a more specific definition that you know could help us and this is taken from an article written by Andy Farmer a pastor and a counselor It's published in the Journal of Biblical Counseling and Andy Farmer he starts off by identifying the emotional aspect of laziness which is interesting he says that laziness makes us quote feel really trapped okay now think about that we often feel trapped by laziness that's one emotional uh, manifestation of laziness is that you feel trapped in it, okay? And what kind of a trap is this? And he says, quote, laziness is a trap that demands I sacrifice what's best for
for what's most comfortable. I sacrifice what's best for what's most comfortable. End quote. So uh, laziness can be seen as this emotional trap uh, that, due to your allegiance to your comfort, uh, that you sacrifice what you clearly know deep down inside know to be the best thing. So um, laziness is uh, something that engages with our emotions and our feelings. Although it's not an entirely emotional issue, um, it, of course there's behavioral and habitual things involved in that as well. But you can begin by understanding something about yourself by tapping into the emotions that surround your laziness. Um, I think a quote from Sir Matthew Hale is also very telling. He says, quote, laziness grows on people, it begins in cobwebs, and ends in iron chains. Ends in iron chains. Again, that, that graphic image of being trapped in something and being chained by something is consistent with what Andy Farmer here is talking about. So, um, if you start there and you follow that rabbit down the hole, maybe you can also identify that what you mean when you say you feel lazy is also this feeling of feeling like you are stuck somewhere, feeling like you're chained. Um, and maybe there's even the feeling of disappointment in yourself. Maybe there's a feeling of a despair over um, just unfinished tasks or unfulfilled uh, dreams or even missed opportunities. All these things can come into play and and in a sense reveal to you uh, where you currently are and, and therefore find ways that you can channel these feelings towards God and to what He's revealed to us in His Word. So the first big takeaway perhaps is this, that laziness can be hiding in our lives in, in various shapes and forms and uh, we can give it one very general s statement, uh, I feel lazy, but underneath that we can be um, feeling us all sorts of other things. And here are some perhaps some ways that we can begin to identify it and unearth it, dig it up, um, excavate it uh, a little bit more, and that is by identifying the three places, common places that uh, laziness tends to hide uh, in. And the first place is our habits. Um, lazy person, a, a lazy person can be very skilled at avoiding things that they they sense that is pressuring them or is becoming a duty to them or is like a forced commitment upon them. Um, and so they develop this habit of being turned off, turned off by anything that requires um, energy or exertion. Okay, so um, this pattern over time becomes a behavioral habit and it can display, it can be displayed in social habits, uh, vocational habits. Um, so so a lazy person can, can appear to be, in behavior, a people pleaser. Why? Because it's uncomfortable to challenge people and to correct them. To stand on your opinion and pursue what you believe is best, that sometimes stretches your comfort zones in all sorts of ways. And um, lazy people are not very time conscious, right? Because uh, the deeper reason might be that Time is not being consciously spent by such a person because they're just not conscious of time. That, that takes energy. <laughs> it takes planning, it takes scheduling, it takes execution. And that consciousness and that presence in, and, and that ownership of one's day, um, that's just a tool that they have not been habituated into using. 
and and therefore one very common way that this shows up in social life is being late to things um and and the flip side of this is they can also habitually spend too much time on something that isn't that significant right um so spending a lot of time on something again the world might say oh that's really a hard-working person but not being able to gauge time sensitivity and what is urgent and important and all those things. That's actually a sign of laziness in thought and in planning. So um, these habits that you see in your life can show you where there might be uh, laziness hiding there as well. And then the other thing is how laziness can disguise itself as a personality trait. You know, the, the tree sloth. Did you know that one of the things that they do best is to sleep? Right, they're excellent sleepers. Um, the only time they're they're stirred to movement is when they want to eat something, right? Which sounds like me sometimes, but um, and actually, their main defense mechanism against predators is actually being uh, inactive, because in the wild, when they're immobile, inactive, they get mistaken as just a pile of big, big pile of dead leaves, so they don't get touched by predators. It's it's their defense mechanism. And therefore, it's what they're known for. Sloth is just known to be this inactive uh, thing. And the thing is, we don't blame them for that, right? It's what they do. It's what they are. We call them sloths for a reason. But this is something that we too often say about people. Oh, John, he, he's just like that. He's just not a morning person. He's just not very organized. He's just not very aware of time. Um, he's just not an active person. And in this way, falsely justify uh, our pattern of laziness or habit of laziness. It gets, it gets mistaken as a personality trait and it, it's conveniently hidden under um, this phrase, oh, that's just the way he is or that's just the way I am. Um, lastly, laziness can often come across as a peaceful temperament. Okay, this is a tricky one. Um, again, going back to just avoiding conflicts among people, right? Um, they rarely get confrontational. They, they don't articulate their feelings all that much. They minimize friction and tension. They, they're more of the brooding internally type. So they'll rather let you win an argument and put a real effort to confront you or address something that is wrong and speak more directly. Uh, there might be a lot of passive aggressiveness because being direct, being straightforward, being face-to-face, -face, that takes a lot of effort. Um, and of course, it's not a good thing to be constantly confrontational, but sometimes there need, when there needs to be a confrontation or when one needs to be confronted, they don't take it very well, even if it's done in a loving manner. So you can see uh, there being a resistance to conflicts, but then that can be mistaken as a peaceful temperament. Oh, they just want to have a good time with everyone, that's all. You know, they're, just, they're just really easygoing. Um, they don't care all that much about... Um, the, the deeper or the, the more sensitive matters. But what's really hiding, what could be really hiding underneath is they've only checked themselves out of the, the part of their lives that require more work and exertion and their energy, social energy. So um, this is why Andy Farmer says, you can't be lazy without being inherently selfish. Okay? Uh, you, it's, a, it's ultimately a deep, deep, deep absorption of, with oneself. Um, just how am I feeling? How am I doing? What, what will make me comfortable? So again, to, to summarize this a little bit, right? so far what, what we talked about is how laziness is a feeling that, that often feels like a trap 
and um, we have trouble articulating it because it's hiding in all these different things in our lives. But when, as we begin to unearth it, as we begin to excavate it, we can then turn to God and see how He helps us uh, when we are uh, trapped in these feelings, when we are uh, feeling trapped in these uh, behavioral patterns or habits or, or temperaments. So then moving, moving forward from here now, uh, let's talk a little bit about how we can then move towards diligence. One way to move towards diligence uh, from the Bible is understanding the damage laziness can do. Uh, Proverbs 21.25 says, The desire of the sluggard kills him, for his hands refuse to labor. Okay? The, the desire of the sluggard kills him. Okay? Now, um, what does this word kill here mean? Um, it's talking about a, a destruction that happens more so on the inside. It devastates the person. And we talked about this earlier, uh, we alluded to this, how uh, it eats up one's inside with a sense of despair and um, unmet longings, uh, unfulfilled dreams. That, that reminder, that constant reminder can eat up someone on the inside. And, and it continues to lead that person to refuse to labor, as it says here in Proverbs 21-25. You want to... Uh, uh, escape further this pressure that comes from this weighing sense of um, I'm not doing or I haven't done what I was what I am supposed to do and then it says in Proverbs 10 26 like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes so is a slugger to those who send him okay the damage here is a relational one to those who send him Okay. So the effect of laziness, you have to understand, is not just on yourself. It's communal. It's to those who send you, to those who employ you, um, to those you're related to in a communal way. It affects those people around you, and it, makes, it can make you untrustworthy. Uh, it can make you uh, non-dependable. It will then distance you from others. Um, others may carry a critical view of you, uh, even though you already have a critical view of yourself. Uh, it adds it adds to that. It's just not a healthy um, pattern. And then there's this great passage from Proverbs 24, 33 to 34. A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come upon you like a robber and want like an armed man. Okay, Laziness robs you. It, it robs you of your potential. It robs you of your security. And here you see a comparison between two kinds of losses. On the one hand, you have the little by little by little process of losing something, right? A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands. And that's how we rationalize um, laziness as being harmless because it's so little. But, but think about the robber it mentions in verse 34. Okay, when you get robbed by an armed man, that's not a little by little process, right? The armed man doesn't say, hey, I'll rob you a penny today and a penny tomorrow, right? It's by force, it's, it's violent, it's all at once. But here's what the wise man is telling us. The wisdom here is understanding that these two kinds of losses are the same. When we choose to be lazy, we're choosing to be robbed by a violent robber, not in a single moment, but a thousand little by little moments. And the end result is the same. It's poverty. It ends up with nothing. It's damaging. Okay. So it's not okay to kill time. Uh, at all. Uh, if you're busy killing time, time will, will be killing you. That's something that uh, someone has said once. So the Bible gives us these fair warnings about laziness. It's damaging to your life. It's damaging to your heart. It's damaging to your relationships. 
So uh, that's one thing to uh, take into consideration. We have to identify these warning passages in the Bible when it comes to uh, laziness. And here's how Andy Farmer then uh, identifies the spiritual dimension of laziness. Okay, so far we talked about the emotional and the behavioral. Here he gets into the spiritual. He says, laziness is a determined bent of my heart that stubbornly insists on its own way. It is aggressive disobedience to God's rule through passive means. Laziness is a trap that demands I sacrifice what's best for what's most comfortable. End quote. Okay, so what is he saying there? Laziness is not a problem because it hates work or productivity. It's ultimately a problem because it hates God and God's commands, God's uh, authority over our lives. It's an aggressive disobedience to God's rule through the most passive mean possible. Okay, um, So it could look like this. When you bring God into the picture, a life of laziness is really pursuing an easygoing lifestyle, even when God calls you to live a sacrificial lifestyle. It's living as one's own authority, resisting all other authorities, even when Jesus is Lord and He has placed other authorities over our lives. It could be being stubborn about one's preferences, uh, when while you know, being flexible about God's commands, like loving your neighbor as yourself, putting the interests of others ahead of your own, forgiving others, and being reconciled to others. Go and make disciples of all nations, right? Uh, lazy people don't make disciples. Okay? And a big part of the obstacle to making disciples is our preferences, wanting to be flexible about God's commands on our lives. So what Andy Farmer is getting at here is the sin of laziness that emerges when we invite God into the picture. Okay? Uh, laziness hinders us from God and His commands and our nearness to Him. So in a sense, laziness is just an act of rebellion against Him. Not against productivity per se, but against God. So what, what might be the remedy to all this? Okay, so far we talked about perhaps the problematic side of laziness and all the facets of its problem. Um, but how does the Bible help us? And how does the gospel uh, come to us and help us in this matter? We have to understand the gospel's remedy for laziness. And it is this, uh, to put it simply, the gospel frees us from our laziness by the diligence of God, by the gracious diligence of God. That's the only way we would get out of this trap. How does God's gracious diligence get, out, get us out of this trap? Uh, for one, grace, grace is the very opposite of laziness. Grace is God's diligence on behalf of his people. Okay? It's God diligently working in sinners to redeem them and despite their relational rebellion, their, their laziness towards God and his commands, God graciously draws near and gives them a new heart, uh, brings them a new covenant and achieves all that's needed in that covenant through his own son. That's grace. That's God's diligence for us. And God is like this wise and rich man who enjoys all the fruit of his labor. He roasts his game. He went through all the steps, uh, all, the, all the little things and the big things in order to redeem us. And so we see in the Bible time and time again how God works to save his people. You are dead in your trespasses and sins, but God shows his love for us 
in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. You see that? It's to the degree that we understand the work that God has done for us out of his graciousness. And to the degree that we are basking in this grace, that's the degree to which we will then understand we were created for his good works. We were created for a life of grace. So grace means that we no longer define our lives by our own diligence, our own productivity, but God's. Look what God has done for you in your life through his son, Jesus Christ. And as you behold that, see how he frees you from the trap of being chained by the old uh, past mistakes that you've made, the time, the times that you have wasted, and see how he redeems those times, how he redeems your life, and how he promises by his diligence to make all things work for your good. Does that encourage you to be lazy? No, it encourages you to be diligent as your heavenly father and your big brother, Jesus Christ, is diligent. The diligent man will get precious wealth. We read that earlier in Proverbs 12, 27. What is this precious wealth? It is God and his kingdom and his righteousness. And this is how the gospel changes a lazy person into a citizen in his kingdom. It's by freely, graciously inviting us into the kingdom of God by the work, the diligent work of his son, who is full of grace and truth. Because God has diligently and is diligently working for us, we can then be motivated to work diligently for Him. We will succeed. Our dreams will be fulfilled. Uh, we will have success. Why? Because our aim, our highest aim, is not in this life, but is in the life to come. It's in the kingdom of God. We're, we're by the way, we will be working forever uh, without thorns, without pain, without loss, without uh, corruption. Uh, until that day, we hold on to this promise, and because we have that promise, we work with diligence, even in the face of suffering, even in the face of loss. Brothers and sisters, if you are like me, if you find yourself struggling with laziness, um, remember that the Bible doesn't simply tell us, hey, get to work. Okay? Uh, what the Bible chiefly tells us is, see the work that God has done for you and be freed from the pressures of worldly work and be invited into working for his kingdom and his righteousness. So respond to this gospel of grace. First, by repentance. Um, you need grace to come and, and encourage you to repent of your laziness, turn away from your laziness, not simply saying, oh, I messed up and if I just repent and you know, I can then go about working hard again. Um, but turning towards Christ, who has done all the work for you. Okay, that's gospel repentance. It's turning to Christ, not turning to a better version of you. Turning to Christ first, moving towards the cross, and there reclaiming who you are in Christ, a child of God, a citizen of his kingdom. And that leading you to rejoice and give thanks. And from there leading you to further obedience. So let's press into this together during this season. Um, draw near to the God who promises to bring you into completion. 
He's begun a good work in you, and He will bring you to completion. Uh, God will enjoy uh, the fruit of His labor that He is investing in your life. So have no doubt of that. And walk in a way that's consistent with that. Come back to your true calling uh, as, as a child of God, a disciple of Christ, a citizen of His kingdom, and day to day seek to manifest that and live that out and begin to turn this ship around and live a life that imitates the diligence uh, of Christ. Understanding that Christ is all that matters. Christ is all that will last. Uh, Christ is our final and ultimate success and our meaning and our, our vocation. I'll close with this. C.T. Studd had once written, Only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Let's pursue a life that receives, worships, and imitates our Redeemer, Jesus Christ.